Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Wednesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. I'm usually out here pushing the firearms for Palmetto State Armory, but what good are the firearms without some ammunition? Two deals today that I felt like you guys should know about, PMC X-Tac 556 ammo with a little green tip action is in stock as of this recording at $9.99 for 20 rounds. Also, they have a 1,000 round case of Blazer 9mm ammo at 115 green, which is regular $499.99 for only $279.99. For all you Farmageddon, Taxmageddon, IndiePoc folks out there, this might be a good deal to stock or restock the coffers. Florida's Republican-controlled legislature will clear the way for Ron DeSantis to run for president in 2024 by changing state law to make it clear that he would not have to resign his current position if he became the GOP nominee. With time running out on this year's annual session, Senate Republicans will add the provision to a sweeping elections bill that will go before the full Senate on Wednesday. The elections bill is a top priority for DeSantis and Republicans and is expected to go to the governor's desk between now and May 5th. The move comes shortly before DeSantis is expected to jump into a potentially volatile Republican primary for president, where he will go up against former President Donald Trump. DeSantis has already been visiting early primary states as part of a book promotional tour that has been seen as a warm-up exercise to a full-blown campaign. But Trump has racked up a number of endorsements, including from many Florida GOP members of Congress and has been landing, oh my gosh, leading in multiple polls. I'm tired. There have been dueling legal opinions about whether Florida's existing resign-to-run law would apply to someone running for president or vice president. But GOP legislators have opted to remove any doubts with this legislative proposal. If there is ambiguity, and it's been something that's been talked about, especially ad nauseum since November, if not longer, then let's do it. Let's clarify it, said uh, Senator Danny Burgess, the chair of the Senate Ethics and Elections Committee. That way, we would be fortunate enough to have a president or vice president from Florida. One day, we've cleared that air. Florida law currently requires anyone running for a new office to put in an irrevocable letter of resignation ahead of qualifying if the terms of the two offices overlap. The law was changed in 2007 to open the door for then-Governor Charlie Crist to seek the vice presidency. But legislatures reversed course in 2018 and added back a requirement that someone seeking federal office would have to submit their resignation letter ahead of the actual election. The 2018 law did include a carve-out for someone whose term is about to end, but that would not apply to DeSantis, who was just re-elected last year. Right after DeSantis's blowout re-election win, the state's two legislative leaders said they were willing to alter the existing law in order to help a potential candidacy. But for the first seven weeks of this year's legislative session, GOP legislators did not release any actual proposals. I mean, if you're Florida, why not? Ron DeSantis was just reelected. He's been doing a great job for Florida. 
If he makes this run and doesn't win, it protects Florida from having to go through a special election for governor and allows DeSantis to remain if he loses. I don't know, however, how I feel about an entire election law being changed just for one person. It seems dirty somehow. Joe Biden and Yoon Suk Yeol on today will sign an agreement that includes plans to have U.S. nuclear-armed submarines docked in South Korea for the first time in more than 40 years, a conspicuous show of support to Seoul amid growing concern about nuclear threats by North Korea. The planned docked visits are a key element of what's being dubbed the Washington Declaration, aimed at deterring North Korea from carrying out an attack on its neighbor. It's being unveiled as Biden is hosting Yoon for a state visit during a moment of heightened anxiety for both leaders over an increased pace of ballistic missile tests by North Korea over the last several months. The three senior Biden administration officials who briefed reporters on the condition of anonymity ahead of oh, love the anonymity ahead of the official announcement said that Biden and Yoon aides have been working on details of the plan for months and agreed that occasional and very clear demonstrations of strength of U.S. extended deterrence capabilities needed to be an essential aspect of the agreement. The agreement seeks to allay South Korean fears over the North's aggressive nuclear weapons program and to ward off the country from restarting its own nuclear program, which it gave up nearly 50 years ago when it signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. The U.S. and South Korea also would coordinate more deeply on nuclear response strategy in the event of the North attacking the South, but operational control of such weapons would remain in U.S. control, and no nuclear weapons are being deployed onto South Korean shores. In the midst of the Cold War in the late 1970s, U.S. nuclear-armed ballistic missile submarines made frequent port visits to South Korea, sometimes two to three visits per month, according to the Federation of American Scientists. It was a period when the U.S. had hundreds of nuclear warheads located in South Korea, but in 1991, the U.S. withdrew all its nuclear weapons from the Korean Peninsula, and the following year, Seoul and Pyongyang signed a joint declaration pledging that neither would test, manufacture, produce, receive, possess, store, deploy, or use nuclear weapons, but as the North has repeatedly violated the joint declaration over the years, there's been increased support in South Korea for the U.S. to return nuclear weapons to the country. Yoon's visit comes just weeks after the leaks of scores of highly classified documents that have complicated relations with the allies, including South Korea. The papers viewed by the Associated Press indicate that South Korea's National Security Council grappled with the United States in early March over an American request to provide artillery ammunition to Ukraine. The documents which, which cited signals intelligence said then NSC director Kim Sung Han suggested the possibility of selling the 330,000 rounds of munitions to Poland since getting the ammunition to Ukraine quickly was the United States' ultimate goal. One Biden administration official said that Biden planned to talk to Yoon about, quote, what it means for all like-minded allies to continue support Ukraine and asked the South Korean leader what the future of their support might look like. Besides their talks today, Biden and Yoon are scheduled to host a joint news conference 
And in the evening, Biden and Jill will honor Yoon and his wife, Kim Kyon Hee, for a state dinner at the White House. The U.S. Supreme Court decided against allowing climate lawsuits filed against some of the biggest oil companies in the world to move out of state and local courts and into the federal level. Five states and several municipal governments filed lawsuits against oil and gas companies for allegedly misleading the public about their role, the role, their products have on climate change. Um, Their efforts reflect condemnation from the United Nations, the U.S. House of Representatives, and the environmental advocacy community. Richard Wiles, the president of the Center for Climate Integrity, said Exxon, Suncor, Chevron, and their allies had tried to get trials out of state courts where they could face jury trials and before the Supreme Court instead. The high court's decision is a major victory for communities across the country that are fighting to hold big oil accountable and make them pay for climate damages they knowingly caused. Now it's time for these polluters to face evidence of their deception in court. Many of these companies involved, Exxon in particular, have been the target of criticism. In December, the House Oversight and Reform Committee accused fossil fuel companies of doubling down on long-term reliance on fossil fuels with no intention of pursuing clean energy technology. Yeah, because putting themselves out of business sounds like a super smart idea. Uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken held a meeting with Hunter Biden at the State Department in July of 2015 when he was serving as Deputy Secretary of State in the Obama administration. Hunter was on the board of Ukrainian energy firm Burisma, according to emails reviewed and confirmed. The ties between the Blinken and Hunter Biden, the ties between Blinken and Hunter Biden could face increased scrutiny after former CIA Deputy Director Michael Morell testified to the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees last week that Blinken, as President Biden's then-campaign senior advisor, played a role in the inception of the public statement signed by intelligence officials claiming that Hunter's laptop was part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Good luck finding the Morell testimony if you Google. As of yesterday, there was a total and complete media blackout of this. You can find it on C-SPAN, though. Emails from the infamous abandoned laptop that Blinken sought to discredit show that Hunter has ties to Blinken and his wife, even Ryan, dating back over a decade, having scheduled meetings with him while he was on the board of Burisma, and Blinken was Deputy Secretary of State. In an email on May 22nd of 2015, Hunter tried to schedule a meeting with Blinken so he could get the Deputy Secretary of State's advice on some things. The revelations of Hunter's ties to Blinken's and his wife come amid House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan and House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner sending a letter to Blinken last Thursday, notifying him that the committees are examining that public statement signed by 51 former intelligence officials that falsely discredited a New York Post story regarding Hunter Biden's laptop as supposed Russian disinformation. In his transcribed interview, Morell testified that on or around October 17, 2020, you reached out to him to discuss the Hunter Biden laptop story, they wrote. According to Morell, although your outreach was couched as simply gathering Morell's reaction to the Post story, it set in motion the events that led to the issuance of the public statement. 
Morrell further explained that one of his two goals in releasing the statement was to help then-Vice President Biden in the debate and assist him in winning the election. Based on Morrell's testimony, it is apparent that the Biden campaign played an active role in the origins of the public statement, which had the effect of helping suppress the Hunter Biden story and preventing American citizens from making a fully informed decision during the 2020 presidential election. Morrell also said that he received a call from Biden's White House counselor, Steve Ricchetti, who was serving as the chairman of the 2020 campaign at the time, following the October 22nd debate. Morrell said the call was to thank him for spearheading the letter. While this may not seem like a big deal and the Hunter Biden laptop story feels played out a bit, it's important to note that once again, the intelligence community, just like with the Twitter files, was weaponized by our current Secretary of State. And I wonder how he got that job. This time in the form of a letter suggesting that this laptop was Russian disinformation in an effort to help Joe Biden win the election. It's there in black and white. I wrote the letter because I wanted him to win, not because the information in the letter was true, not because I believed it was true, but because I wanted to manipulate the American people to impact election results. Isn't that what everyone accuses Russia of, but it's our own intelligence community doing it? Uh, Joe Biden, uh, if you live under a rock, uh, announced yesterday he is running for re-election. He made it official in a video that he released yesterday morning exactly four years after he tossed his hat into the 2020 race, a video. Wonder why it had to be a video. In the three-minute video, Mr. Biden repeated some familiar themes, saying, when I ran for president four years ago, I said we were in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. Couldn't agree more, Joe. Only problem is you're on the side of destroying that soul. The question we are facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want that answer to be. This is not the time to be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election. Do you feel more free today than when Joe Biden was not president? Just asking. The announcement comes after months of debate among the president's closest aides and allies across the Democratic Party. Uh, While many Democratic leaders and activists expected Mr. Biden to announce his campaign shortly after the year began, party leaders were anticipating the president would wait until at least summer, enabling him to continue touting his agenda while Republicans on Capitol Hill squabbled over issues like raising the federal debt limit, and as GOP presidential candidates continued sparring in early primary states. The recent indictment of former uh, President Donald Trump also encouraged Democratic Party leaders who believed Mr. Biden didn't need to rush with his top potential Republican opponent facing legal peril. Mr. Biden will run with significant legislative achievements, I'm not sure what those achievements are, but it's written in the article, so I went ahead and put it in here. But even so, high inflation is killing American budgets, and there is a special counsel investigation into the discovery of classified documents at his former private office in Wilmington home. The announcement also comes as Democrats and Republicans appear to be in a stalemate over how to raise the debt ceiling before the nation risks a potentially catastrophic default. Maybelline is facing calls for a boycott after a sponsorship with transgender social media influencer Dylan Mulvaney, 
who posted a short video of himself applying the brand's cosmetics and getting glam. The uproar comes as conservative lawmakers in some U.S. states pass laws that restrict the rights of transgender people. Nope, we're restricting your ability to impact children's lives. Such as a new measure in North Dakota that restricts transgender health care in the state. Brands, both big and small, often partner with social media stars to promote their products in Instagram reels or TikTok videos, often as a way to express support for inclusivity or reach specific groups like LGBTQ plus people or young women. Mulvaney, who has 1.8 million followers on Instagram, often features himself promoting products from major brands, such as recent post where he posts Nike sports bras, Kate Spade dresses. In the Maybelline promotion, Mulvaney shows himself without makeup and then transformed by eyeshadow lipstick and other products. He has become a lightning rod for anti-trans sentiment among some conservatives, with many targeting his brand sponsors as a way to express their anger over transgender rights. It's amazing to me how easily these media organizations work gaslighting into their articles. We are expressing our anger because actual women are being replaced in every aspect of marketing by men. Products that we use, products that we need, not men. Men do not need makeup. Men do not need sports bras. Men do not need tampons. Women and young girls, on the other hand, do. And we're being represented by men in those arenas. And that is what we are upset about. That is your Wednesday edition of everything yesterday this morning. We have book club this evening following up on the next four chapters of Red Rising. You are welcome to join us at 1015 Eastern Standard Time live on Twitter Spaces if you would like to participate in that book club. Otherwise, I will see you Friday morning. You guys take care and have a wonderful evening. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.